from the PSIA ASI Studios in Lakewood, Colorado. I'm George Thomas. You're listening to First Chair. Great guest this evening. We're chatting with team member Josh Fogg. Josh, really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. Well, thanks for having me back again, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. And we're going to be talking about how we coach versus what we coach. Why is that an important difference, Josh? Um, well, I appreciate you asking the question. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting. You know, I've uh, been spending, spending some time in the past couple of years and through serendipitous kind of adventures, uh, I've stumbled upon some, some interesting work and research uh, on how to teach movement and not only increase performance, but also increase the retention of the learning of movements. And what it, what a lot of the research shows is the words we use and how we go about that process, how we actually coach movement has a huge impact on people's physical performance, uh, more so than uh, sometimes what we say, but how we say it is... Uh, is has a bigger has a bigger impact than than we may realize. So you're going to be talking about something where our guests we can actually teach in a way that one they're going to retain it and really understand it and remember it later. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, it you know the over the years of teaching and over the years of learning uh, in the sport, it's been funny how we talk about like um, whether somebody owns it or not especially when you're talking about certification exams it's like yeah they could do it but did they own it and i always was like what does that what does that mean <laughs> i kind of i mean i get it right you get it from a from a gut sense but it's like how do you actually know and then i got curious about like how do you the best coaches the most effective ones are they they say stuff in a way that it's easy to understand digest do and you remember it. It's it's lodged in there forever, and it's lodged in your your what's called your doing memory, not necessarily your knowing memory. And I think that's another interesting distinction to have is that um, sometimes we, well, if we break that down a little bit and think about it in a in a general sense, there's we have a memory that has things that we know, uh, people's names, locations, uh, what the word angulation means. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then there's our doing memory. And, and these are the things like we have common phrases in our language of like, it's like riding a bike. You, your body actually remembers how to do it. Even if you might not be able to explain it. And, um, you know, the, the easiest experience we've all had is that first day back on snow every year when you're kind of wondering like oh am i going to be able to remember how to do this and and the minute you start sliding your feet start moving and maybe you go into the lift line and you yeah boom you make a wedge and stomp that's your doing memory at work it your body remembers how to do things um and it's different than your knowing memory so we're really looking to build retention and get things from kind of a, a short-term working memory, you know, like when we're in a lesson, um, somebody gives you something to do and you, you, you learn something new and you can do it while you're there in the lesson. But then after the lesson, it's like, 
everything kind of falls apart. I'm sure if we have, like I have returning clients that um, year over year, it's like we're always starting over again. I was like, how do we get that so it's sticky, <laughs> you know, so that <laughs> people can remember and they kind of, they it doesn't take them long for the the whole system to reboot and uh, and I'm looking for that evidence of that ownership and that did things transfer from short term memory to long term memory. Now my mind is running all over the place with a bazillion different questions for you, and I keep going back to something Great. I learned from another instructor, which was listen to remember rather than respond. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, let's kind of get a starting point here of yeah, we're in the lesson and or a clinic or whatever it is. Yep. How do we go about using these techniques? Because I mean, what you're saying sounds amazing. It does, doesn't it? Sounds like, uh, yeah, the, the holy grail here. Um, so one way to think about it is that uh, as instructors, we, we tend to know a lot about the sport. And one of the ways it was well described to me um, was it, it's like a car. I, I might know wh- how the car works, right? Like if I imagine myself lifting up the hood and looking under the hood and seeing the engine and all the different parts and learning how it works. That's the what. That's what makes the car go. Um, and as a as an instructor, I kind of need to know those bits and parts about skiing. I need to know what makes for good skiing and, and how to break it down into into chunks. But then when I go to get somebody to to ski or to drive the car, I need to switch uh, how I'm thinking and communicating the idea. So if, if in this analogy, if I told somebody, you know, what you need to do is, you know, you need to um, you need to make the the pistons in the engine, you know, rev faster. Well, that might be accurate to make the car go faster, but it's like, well, okay, well, how do I do that, right? So I need to switch. It's almost like I'm I have to be kind of bilingual, and I have to look at how do I drive the car. And I need to look at it from a different language and a different thought process of like, you know, like we would know, well, you need to push down on this button or on this lever on the floor here, this accelerator to make the car go. So in the lesson, take, for example, an idea of um, take something simple, like trying to stand in the middle of the ski for, you know, any of us. And oftentimes we might talk about, um, you know, in order to do that, we might need to flex our ankles, knees, hips, you know, kind of um, hinge forward at the hips so the spine slants forward, right? That's kind of get in this basic athletic stance. And there's certain muscles we might want to, you know, engage in order to do that around our core and our glutes. Um, However, it's been found far more effective if we take all that we know and then switch it around into what's a cue that you could use that uses something external to the body. So something not part of you physically, like your boots, right? Mm -hmm. So when we're skiing along, it's far more effective to talk about pressing on the front of the boot, for example, or 
feeling our heel pull back into the into the back of the boot at the same time something like that or moving the buckles around those kinds of ideas and how that can uh, can be far more effective in that coaching process of getting somebody to start to move the way we want them to and they'll remember it a lot easier Right. Instead of engage your solar plexus and <laughs> exactly, so they talk about that. Uh, a lot of the research looks at that of um, you know what limb are you moving and what body, what muscle are you flexing and all that stuff. Is they talk about that as internal cues. Those are cues that are things that focus on a specific part of your body and essentially what it does is it gets your brain to micromanage how your body moves. But if you can take that idea and say, what would be something external to the body, a piece of equipment, for example, that I can manipulate. Um, it could even be your clothing is something external to you. If I manipulate it, then what we find is that the, the mind works in a very different way and it doesn't, micromanage your the the firing of muscles and nerves and all that stuff to actually get the performance you're looking for so um, instead of like oh look down the hill let's point your zipper toward whatever your your belt buckle toward whatever or something like right. that yeah exactly the idea of like hey keep your zipper pointed in this direction versus you know you want to be able to turn your legs different than your upper body Right. If I'm trying to create a countered position yep. in this example that we're talking about, the idea of maybe even can you move your pants, turn your pants in this direction and keep your zipper pointed in that direction. Turn your skis one way and keep keep your goggles and your helmet going in the other direction. But I'm not using a word like angulation there, Josh. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So it's a far more digestible, easier, uh, common uh, language approach to it. And it's, it's fascinating. A lot of the research shows that if you're, if you focus people's attention externally, that they, they don't get their muscles actually fire or they learn to fire the muscles in a much smoother sequence in a much smoother way and uh, a far more appropriate level. Um, there's uh, there's this one really interesting uh, one I saw about um, uh, trying to get people to um, actually flex their ankles, and they were talking very specifically in the example of we want you to um, um, you know really fire your anterior tibialis, which is a really common thing that I hear around the nation, um, and it's not wrong, and, and that's that's a big point that I want to make out of this. It's not wrong. Um, but when they told one group that they weren't really want to focus on that, what they found, um, so that anterior tibialis is kind of generally one of the muscles that runs down the, the front of your shin. Yep. What they found at the same time was the people who were told to do that were also firing their, their calf muscle as well. So they actually had these two muscles that are supposed to work against each other essentially fighting each other the entire time. Wow. 
when they took the other group and they told them something like, I want you to take the laces of your shoes and pull them up towards your, you know, up towards your pants. What they found with that group was that the calf muscle all but turned off and only the anterior tibialis fired in a really smooth way and really powerfully too. But Josh, don't examiners all need to hear the technical terms? And if I'm in an exam and I say, pull my shoelaces toward my knees or whatever it is, aren't you going to fail me? Right. <laughs> well, it, it depends on what part of this exam I'm looking at right now, right? So there's, it's the twofold kind of dual nature of being an instructor. Um, while it's, it's, we want both. We want to know that the cue that you're giving something along the lines of, you know, pushing into the front of the boot that you could actually understand how and why that works. So then you can measure whether you're being successful with the cue with the, with your student, rather than it just being kind of a collection of like, Oh, I've got a collection of kind of ski tips out there and they're all externalized and these should work to keep things personalized. I need to actually know, how would I know whether that's whether that cue is being effective and doing the things I want? So I need to know kind of what body parts I should be expecting to see move in certain ways. And I think that there's room in an exam to understand the what. However, when it's time so that we understand what the what the you know what we're trying to do, but when it's time to actually coach and teach somebody, we need to speak a different language. We need to be more attentive to how we're saying that. And then kind of first step in there is to uh, switch our language around so that the last bit of information you're giving people focuses them externally versus internally. So Josh, what I'm hearing you say is in that exam situation, or really just as instructors, I want to be able to say, you know, I'm doing this because we need to work on this, this, and this, and here's how we're going to do it. And then, or this is the way I would teach it. And yeah. then go into some nice, simple, understandable, kind of fun language and have a really good time with your class, but be able to explain why you're doing it. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, given you might even have uh, students out there who, who want to understand a little bit more of the detail, right? This, this, that opportunity, we think about the, maybe somebody who uh, is a little bit more analytical about what, how they're learning, right? They want to know exactly why it is we're doing the things we're doing. It's okay to share with them that information, right? I'm trying to get you to fire some muscles in here around your ankle so that you can stay in balance. And the ones in particular I'm focusing on are out in front of your shin here. It's, you know, I, one of the big ones is the anterior tibialis, George. Now, to do that, what we're going to do is when we go ski here, what I want you to do is I want you to push into the front of the boot. You can hear how I switched the language there, and I went from kind of a the description into that final cue. So your final little bit there that you're left with doing and organizing your thought is something externalized. So, Josh, please tell me that you will be leading clinics around the country of simplifying language. <laughs> it's certainly one of the things that, uh, you know, it's something I've been playing around with here for the past 
year or two uh and and honestly i'm uh, feel pretty new at as well but starting to um feel like i'm gaining some ground on and um and it's one of the reasons why i wanted to take the time to um catch up with you and and chat about it um because yeah it is it is a shift in how i'm going about coaching how i'm working with instructors across the country um, and paying close attention to trying to get that language so it's like we can still have the conversation we can still um get into the into the tech and how things work and that helps our knowing memory as instructors but we also want to be able to do it we want to be able to make that memory that doing memory sticky so that we own it so that it enhances our long-term performance and i gotta switch my language if i want to help you get to that point um i think that that's a key piece and something i'm 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 definitely interested in um it's one of the one of three pieces actually that i'm looking at right now um that are kind of three simple actions that we can do that really uh, contribute to making a really strong lesson um and kind of easier to toggle in my mind than most other things so the first being that externalized cue the the second one that i'm really uh focused on is um, giving people choices and it sounds really silly and it sounds almost trite but um i'm i'm trying to be very conscious in my teaching to engage people by giving them choice while we're teaching while i'm teaching and it's it's not that they can choose just you know i'm not making choices that you know (laughs) it's not like they can choose anything but i'm what i'm trying to do is find places where um they get to have some say in what's happening in the lesson um you know, a, a common one that I've been working with uh, some of the instructors over here in Aspen and in, in Rocky Mountain in general with uh, of recent is say you give somebody something to do. We'll go back to this uh, idea of uh, pushing in the front of the boot, for example, right? And you ski down a little bit and uh, we, we stop and we get a moment to, to check in on you, right? Um, Oftentimes, let's say that, you know, as the instructor, I watch you, George, and you're pushing into the front of the boot and things look good. And I kind of take that typically, historically, I would take that and go, okay, it's time to move on to the next thing. And I would just make that choice for you. We're going to now, now that we've got that figured out, let's talk about, I don't know, how to turn the skis or edge the skis. But instead... I have an opportunity right there in that moment to engage you and say, you know, uh, once we've had a bit of maybe a bit of reflection on the pushing on the front of the boots and then essentially asking, like, do you want to spend more time with that or are you ready to take on something else with that? And it's been very surprising and enlightening to see, um, it kind of splits right down the middle. Some people say, oh, wow. Oh, no, I'd really like to spend a little bit more time with that. I think I get it and I I think I understand it. But, you know, I like to spend a little bit more time with things before we rush on. And that right there increases 
um, a the value of the lesson to them because they feel like they're being heard. They get some say in it, and we get to increase the practice time. Right? I might. Oh, you want to try the same environment? You want to try somewhere a little bit more challenging? Right? Again, I'm going to give them another choice on how they want to engage with the experience. Other people would just jump right in and be like, no, I think I've got that. What else you got for me? And what they've done is they've, they've now entered into kind of this learning agreement that we've always looked for and the learning partnership of saying, yeah, I've, I'm, I'm ready, Josh. Hit me with, hit me with the next piece, which those, is. Those sound like really, some real people skills, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And that's the part that I'm, um, you know, I'm excited about thinking about kind of these, uh, these pieces, you know, these external cues, giving people choices and um, and the, the last one is is simply praising effort. And um, you know it's been it's been found within uh, that thought process of praising effort that we as instructors tend to be very clear on what is what's what's good, what's what's a successful um, what they call in the in the science world a, a successful trial. But um, you know, we go back to this example of, of just trying to get you to press into the front of the boots and stand a little bit more balanced on the skis. And maybe you're kind of doing it. Historically for myself, I'll speak from, from uh, my perspective, is that I would have looked at that and said, okay, George, kind of, but you got to do it like this. And, and I wouldn't necessarily honor the fact that you had given it your best on your first try here <laughs> <laughs> and, and had some success, right? That it's like, yeah, it's not, we haven't hit ideal yet, but you've had some success. And if I take the, I have an opportunity there as the instructor to go, yeah, I saw you pressing on the front of the boot. What do you think it would take to press a little bit harder there? Right. Or a little bit more. Right. Instead of, and, and what I'm doing there is recognizing that, yeah, you've made an effort there and, and let's, let's encourage that towards the, the, the targeted movement versus uh, not acknowledging that. Um, and it, it changes the mindset of the learner. One from like, oh, I had a little bit of success. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm on board versus, ah, I didn't get it. Let me try it again. <laughs> Um, and it does speak to people skills. These things do teach, speak to teaching skills. And when I think about it, I go, that's three things I could do that kind of hit every single assessment criteria one way or the other pretty quickly, um, on our teaching scorecards nationwide right now. I love it. I mean, I, as you were talking, I was, I said people skills, but I was really thinking what a blend of what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. They, so the, the research really hits at the crossroads of sports psychology and of motor skill learning. And to me, that's, that's people and teaching skills. Bang, right there. It's right on that crossroads. And uh, I was leading a, an on snow uh, clinic just the other day. And I, <laughs> so I'll tell you a little bit about me. I, uh, I said, you know, we were talking about these things and I said, did you know in bowling, 
<laughs> to hit <No>. a strike. <laughs> to hit a strike, the ball only needs to hit three pins to knock all ten of them down. Wow. And and that's the analogy that I'm after. Is if I hit these three things well, I can knock all the pins down and I can have a much more engaging, much more personalized lesson. Um, even with a group, you know, these are excellent opportunities to get the group to start to engage and maybe work with each other, depending on, you know, it can be done in the one hour lesson. It could be done in the all day lesson. It could be done in the station group, you know, kind of situation where you're teaching a lot of beginners. This can be done when you're out there one-on-one with somebody you've been teaching for, you know, years. Uh, it's not specific to any one environment they're just good principles of teaching movements well anything you'd like to say to wrap things up here josh um if this sounds interesting to you (laughs) (laughs) uh and and it sounds enticing um it is uh, a couple resources one uh is a great book a great read called the language of coaching by nick winkleman um, that uh, I found to be, it, it's a huge resource. It, it really digs way deeper into this than you and I have had a chance to speak about um, and, and goes into that research a lot more. Um, and it's a really, um, while it is, uh, it, it has an element like a textbook, it's really a beautiful, rich book of colors and photos and ideas to get you going um if if this idea kind of entices you as well my encouragement is to start with yourself next time you're out skiing or riding whatever it is that you're working on see if you can create an external focus for yourself that would start to target the movement you're after and recognize in your own performance where are the glimmers of success happening and ask yourself from time to time a a question. Give yourself your own choice. Uh, Maybe something along the lines of what would I need to do to um, enhance this performance again? Or do I need to do more of what I'm doing or less of what I'm doing? Kind of go through uh, the, the thought process and give yourself your own choices before you, before you go out there and try it out on others, try it out on yourself and see what, see what your experience is like. Team member, Josh Fogg. Thank you so much for joining us on first chair. What a great discussion. Really appreciate you taking the time to chat. Well, thank you. And and thanks for letting me share these ideas. I, I look forward to polishing the thoughts and unpacking them further as we go through this term. From the PSIA ASI Studios in Lakewood, Colorado, I'm George Thomas.